guys, welcome to a new episode of Saw Something Scary. Derek Zoo back in the studio with you this week, alongside me as always, the rock that holds the whole show together, Jeff Wright. Jeff, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, man, I've been fighting a headache for like two weeks. It's all rain mm. and nasty here, and so... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on ibuprofen kick, but otherwise, it's good to talk to you, man. It's good to have you back, and I'm ready to talk some scary movies. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. And, and on that note, I just want to say thank you to Jody Webster and the lovely Miss Christy Wright for not only introducing a bunch of words to our new lexicon, but also for holding the fort down last week while I was gone. Uh, also, just want to say thank you to uh, those of you who've reached out and uh, sent your condolences over the loss of my great uncle. Uh, it's very much appreciated. So thank you guys for that as well. And while we're thinking, people, Jeff, we might as well thank our newest patron, Jared Moore. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Jared's a friend of the podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know he's a good friend. He's been on as a co-host, and uh, appreciate him chipping in to support the work. Absolutely. And remember, you guys can also chip in to support the work for as little as a dollar a month. The perks start at $3 a month, and that gets you a bonus episode of the podcast, which we will have out probably in the next couple weeks. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash scary podcast for more information. Would love for you guys to sign up and be a part of the group. And on that front, for those of you who are listening who are patron, uh, excuse me, I was going to say Patreons. That's not what you are. Patrons. Um, I'll be reaching out soon. I should have already, but I'll be reaching out soon to get your phone number. I'll reach out through Patreon. Uh, that number is only so that we can call you and fulfill uh, one of those criteria of uh, of perks. We're looking forward to talking to you face to face. So uh, just be expecting that, and don't uh, don't think we're being creepy. We're not going to do anything uh, weird like sell your phone number to anybody. We're just going to give you a call and say thank you personally. Looking forward to doing it too. Absolutely. Looking forward to talking to you guys. Um, also, on that front, if you guys can do us the huge favor, if you haven't already, uh, to rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you guys are listening to the show on, that would be much appreciated as well. Obviously, we covered those five stars, but any rating will be good. And the more ratings we get, the more ear holes we can get into. That sounds weird, but that's what we're looking for. And uh, the more we can do that, the bigger we can grow this universe. So I really would appreciate that. I think that's all the plugs that we've got right now out of the way. So, Jeff, let's get to everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. And I have three trailers for you this week. All right. Are, good news. Are, are you ready? Bring it on. All right, my man. This one uh, should be a no-brainer for you. I just saw it today. Uh, this is for a – I don't know if it's a television show or if it's – no, I guess it's a movie. Uh so this comes to theaters on May the 10th of this year. It is the biographical film called Tolkien. Okay. Starring Star- everybody's favorite Middle-earth author? Uh, yes, yes. Or I say the- about everyone's rather than starring. I guess it'd be hard <laughs> to star a dead dude. No, they've actually made a hologram of him, and so he's going to be doing the whole thing. Uh, Tolkien explores the formative years of the orth- orphaned author, easier for me to say, as he finds friendship, love, and artistic inspiration among a group of fellow outcasts at school. This stars Nicholas Holt as J.R.R. Tolkien. That's good casting. I like Holt's work. Uh, yeah, man, I'm a, you know, I love some... Some Tolkien. I, I taught him several years ago, and I taught full time. I didn't think that I really cared all that much for fantasy as a genre. And then I taught the Lord of the Rings, and I realized at least what he's doing with the fantasy genre, I like a whole lot. And so I'm I'm down to watch anything that uh, that that comes through with his name on it. Now, C.S. Lewis is 
closer to my wheelhouse. I've read more C.S. Lewis than I have Tolkien, but um, they were friends. They were part of this group at Oxford called the Inklings, and they did have a falling out later in life, but they're kind of intertwined, and it's all stuff I'm interested in. So I'll probably be there, most likely with my wife, on opening night. What about you, okay. man? Uh, yeah, man. I'm interested in that. I, I like biographical films, and um, this trailer looked pretty pretty decent, and I like Nicholas Holt as well. So I'm I'm in. I don't know if I'll be there opening night or not, but I'll, I'll catch it while it's in theaters for sure. Yeah, um, in my... In my circles, professionally as a teacher, that's um, that's probably going to end up being appointment viewing for most of my colleagues. So, I'm guessing we'll be early adopters. Cool. Well, if you get to it before I do, you'll have to let me know how it is. I certainly will do so. Sweet. All right. The next one I've got for you. Uh, I think that we've talked about this before, maybe in the Horror Reporter, but there is a teaser trailer that came out for it this week uh, for uh, NOS 4A2. Yes, which is supposed to work out to Nosferatu, right? Right, yeah. And the synopsis on that is a young Victoria Vic McQueen discovers she has the power to unlock portals that help her find lost objects. As she delves further into this hidden universe, she encounters many other inscape travelers, some benevolent and some who have been corrupted by their power. When Vic encounters Charlie Max, an immortal who stays that way by feeding off the souls of children, she makes a sworn enemy of him. Hmm. Charlie Max is played by Zachary Quinto. Vic McQueen is played by Ashley Cummings. And those are the only two names that stand out to me that I'm looking at. All right. And this is a Joe Hill thing, right? Stephen King's son? Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I had this book queued up in my audiobook player. Okay. And I ended up deciding to listen to The Shining in, uh, ahead of it. I really want to get to it, but I just haven't. And uh, I'd like to, I'd like to get that book read or listened to before the movie comes out. But I guess it's breathing down my neck at this point, right? Well, it's it's not a movie; it's a series. It premieres on AMC, and that is on April the thirtieth. So I mean, you you don't have much time, but you've got some. I have to listen to it on that like speeded forward setting, you know, where it sounds yeah. like an auctioneer. Yeah. That'd be good. Hey, speaking of audiobooks, I know I told you this, but I want to tell everybody else. I'm listening to Doctor Sleep right now. Mm-hmm. And, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, Will Patton, who is a very uh, famous or infamous character actor, he's been in – golly, he's, he's been in uh, Armageddon. He was in uh, – the thing that I remember the most from is Remember the Titans. But um, he was also in uh, Halloween. He was Officer Hawkins in the newest Halloween movie. Yeah, he is like top shelf that guy actor, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the narrator, and he just does an amazing job with it. So, you know, his uh, Wikipedia page. He must be proud of that because his Wikipedia page says Will Rankin Patton is an American actor and audiobook narrator. So, yeah, he's all in. There you go. Uh, he, he, I mean, he's doing a great job with it, and I highly recommend if anybody has an Audible credit uh, to grab that book if you haven't read it yet. It's uh, I'm I'm deep into the. I think I'm in like two and a half hours into it. It's like an 18 hour book, but I'm I'm enjoying what I'm hearing so far. Them uh, them vampires out there chasing the steam. Uh, so we've got to, we've got through that. I'm in chapter one. So, uh, Danny or Dan, whatever has just found his way into teeny town. Okay. And he's trying to get a job. That's where I'm at. All right then. Yeah. I think you've got good things ahead of you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So, all right. So Nosferatu or NOS, uh, four, a two that gosh, that's terrible. Um, it comes out 
on April the 30th. Um, just before we move on from that, I'm glad to see Zachary Quinto back in horror. I think, Me too, man. I think that's a good good move for him. And he shows up in the Netflix original that just dropped last week called High Flying Bird. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you looked into that at all. It's about the NBA, but the you know there's no actual basketball games in it, as best I can tell. It's more about like power agents and um, how they how they influence the finances of the league and the backroom dealings and whatnot. Oh, so it's basically like white ballers? Uh, sort of, yeah. But here, here's the thing. Steven Soderbergh uh, is the creative genius behind it. Oh. And uh, it has our, our man Andre Holland as the lead. Uh, he of Hulu's Castle Rock fame. Okay. And, uh, anyway, I started the other day because uh, most people know I'm a diehard NBA fan. And uh, it's interesting, but I haven't I haven't yet figured out if I like it. It's it's very Soderbergian, and that's not always a good thing. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Does he shoot it all on an iPhone? You know, I don't think so because it okay. doesn't have the look of Unsane. But okay. it's also, I don't know, he's doing something interesting with it visually, or I shouldn't say interesting. Visually, I don't know enough about cinematography to know what he's doing. Yeah. But he's he's doing something to kind of make this look. Uh, I'm struggling for uh, the right uh, vocabulary. It, everything looks very frank and earnest and cut and dried. Okay. And I, I don't know how else to to describe it. So that that's a long way of me saying he's doing stuff with it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. That's a good description. Hey, I, I will say this. Um, oh, what's his name? I just mentioned him. The guy from Hulu's Castle Rock, uh, Andre Holland. He's Andre really Holland. good. Okay. You know, he played he played basically the same character in Castle Rock, only with a uh, different uh, personality. And so, like the the guy in Castle Rock was uncertain of himself, hesitant, didn't have his footing. Uh, in this, he is Mister in control of everything and two steps ahead. All these stupid people who are holding him back, and you know, he just he's handling his business very well in this movie. Well, cool, man. Well, I'll, I'll try to catch it. So it's just a movie. It's not like a series or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a Netflix original. Uh, okay. I think it's like hour and 30 minutes. It's a pretty quick one. I just I got tired halfway through and had to go to bed because I'm old. Yeah, that happens. Well, cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. But, yeah, it, it is good to see Zachary Quinto back and stuff, man. I uh, I thought he, he never got what he deserved out of Heroes. Yeah. You know, he did really well with the Star Trek series, and I guess that that – that film franchise is kind of dead on arrival now, but I've always thought that he should have been bigger than what he is. Yeah. And he was really good in the first season of American horror story. Yeah. Um, which by the way, the reason I brought up high flying bird is because Quinto makes uh, a brief appearance in that. Right. And, uh, he's very good in, in the little, the little dollop of him we get. And it made me think, man, I want some more of that. And lo and behold, here come my buddy Derek to tell me not only do I get more of him, but I get him in a, in a scary movie. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm always here to deliver. That's what I do. <laughs> Thank you, friend. You're welcome. I'm like the milk, man. Um, there's no way to transition out of that. Anyway, the last one I've got for you, I think, is something that we've already talked about on our Facebook group, which if you're not a part of the Facebook group, you definitely should do that. Facebook.com. Uh, we saw something scary. But anyway, the third one I've got for you is Child's Play. It dropped on Friday. Uh, it was also attached to The Prodigy. That we got to see. Do you realize that when we went and saw The Prodigy on Friday, Jeff, we went and saw it with almost every guest host that's ever been on the show? Yeah, who else do we need to bring in? Al or Mike D? or Yeah, Big well, Al and Mike D. That would have been it. That would have completed the set. That was the real-life version of the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, 
Yeah, that was a good time. That was a good time. Um, so I'm not going to watch the child play movie. And I, I think I told Jody I would watch the trailer, but I don't, I haven't done that yet. Is it, is it worth watching or looking at? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm so, I'm so out on this whole thing, man. I, I just have no desire to see a rebooted version of this, you know, of this franchise. Um, especially one that looks like it's going to try to take itself more seriously. Yeah. Like it's a killer doll. Right. I, I, you know, if your tongue, if your tongue's not part of, if your tongue is not planted firmly in your cheek on this thing, I don't understand why you're doing it. And do we get any hints of why Audrey Plaza is attached to this thing? Like what did she find interesting in this? I don't know. She plays the mom. She bought the, she bought the buddy doll for her kid. But, yeah, that's so weird. There's just sometimes you feel like you see a disaster coming from a mile away, and I don't know how nobody connected to this project or studio or whatever uh, didn't say let's just let's leave that in the, the warmer a little while. It's only half baked. Yeah, I really don't know why they wouldn't do that, but that's that's where we're at. And of course, you know, no one that was attached to the original. Uh, franchise is around for this one. They're off trying to do their own thing. I guess they're trying to make this TV series happen. Yeah, um, and, and that I'll probably check out. Yeah, I, I probably will as well. Jennifer Tilly actually went on social media and posted some negative things about the trailer and stuff like that. So I guess it looks like we're going to have a Child's Play feud, which is the most 2019 thing I think I can ever say. Could we get that set up for like one of those battle robot you know TV shows? Yeah, like just send one Chucky versus another. I think that'd be wonderful. Book it right now. The winner has to fight um, not just Chucky, but uh, that offspring of his that showed up in the last canonical Chucky movie. Okay. It could be like um like Double Dragon. You just have in bosses. <laughs> yeah, that's much more interesting than the idea of a uh, AI controlled buddy doll running around killing people. Yeah, and they also have to fight the reanimated corpse of Dennis Hopper as King Koopa. Okay. I mean, if we're going surreal, why not go all the way in? You know what I mean? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Let's do it. All right. So this is this is off your radar. You're not going to watch this movie. I can't imagine me seeing this. And I say that as a guy who watches some really awful horror movies. Yeah. But I guess I'm not only am I not interested in it, I'm kind of morally opposed to it. And so <laughs> the combination makes me think that it's just not going to happen. Do you think yeah. you'll watch it? Um, No. I don't think that I'll ever directly set out to be like, hey, I want to watch this Chucky movie. I could see this ending up on uh, someone that we know's 30 Days of Horror or 31 Days of Horror list just because he knows how much I hate stuff like that. He wants to stick it to me <laughs> and uh, and might have to you know check it out there. But but intentionally, I don't believe it'll ever happen. Yeah, yeah it's unfortunate. It is. They just it made is. a dumb choice, and this is what they get. The saw something scary people are out, and that'll show them. Yeah, that's true. Hey, one more thing that I want to talk to you about. This has nothing to do with horror, except that it looks scary to me. Um, have you seen this trailer for the new Aladdin movie? <laughs> I saw the the memes about Will Smith's genie. Holy smokes, man! Yeah, that I was really funny. Um, I mean, have you seen like have you seen him? The the CGI version of of him is yes, yeah. He, um, I can't imagine that's the look that. I don't know. I, I can't imagine that in hindsight they're they're happy with with what he ends up looking like. Yeah. Um, what Actually, would you liken it to? Um, man. 
you know, had you not asked me that, I could have told you. Yeah. But I, I can't I can't think like off the top of my head. Like I had several different things <laughs> had several different things queued up like two days ago. Uh the funniest I meme I saw had him um standing beside the I don't even know what they were called, the Navi or whatever from um oh why did that movie just leave my leave my mind? The James Cameron movie Avatar. Okay, yeah. And yeah. had him standing behind beside the guys from Avatar and I thought, well maybe that'll work. Maybe that's the the way to bridge these two visually um I don't know. Disappointing efforts. Yeah. Um, I just got a direct message on Twitter. <laughs> Somebody sent me this uh, Johnny son, who's one of my favorite authors and uh, tweeters uh, <laughs> made him green. And as he's pointing at Aladdin, it, he says onions have layers. <laughs> <laughs> this does not bode well for a project that I've already I've already had serious reservations about, right? Like this, this yeah. is sort of the version of the Disney version of what we're talking about with child play. It seems like this is a disaster coming a mile away. Yeah, it really does. It just, it just looks bad, man. Um, it, you know, you know what it reminds me of? Did you see that second Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield? Unfortunately, yes. And where Jamie Foxx played Electro? Yeah. This is, this is his cousin. <laughs> that's pretty apt. That's pretty yeah. apt. I think that's the best comparison I've heard. We need to make a meme somehow. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing there are meme creation websites. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the the thing that I've been <laughs> the thing that I've been liking liking in it to on Facebook is anytime I see somebody mention it is you never watched Arrested Development, did you? No, unfortunately not. Okay, so one of the biggest. Uh, one of the biggest jokes throughout that series is uh, Tobias Funke, who's played by David Cross, is uh, want, he wants to become an actor and he wants to join the Blue Man Group, hmm. and so he paints himself head to toe in blue body paint. And Jason Bateman looks at him at one point and he goes, "Buddy, what are you doing?" And he goes, "Oh, I just blew myself." And so anytime that I've seen anybody um, put a, put something up about the Will Smith thing, I just send that gift to them. Hmm. Of him just head to toe in blue paint. Well, I think it's time to uh, to send that to Brother Will Smith. I'm sure you have his number, right? Yeah, yeah. You Hollywood big shots all kind of, there must be a group text or something. <laughs> there is. There is. As a matter of fact, I'm actually texting Clooney and Brad Pitt right now. We're having a big laugh about, about the whole thing. I imagine they would find this quite funny. Yeah. What do you think Robin Williams would say about this? Uh, man, I think that Robin Williams would uh, – well, honestly, I think that if Robin Williams were still around, this wouldn't be an issue. I think they would have made a CGI version of the genie that looks like the genie from uh, the Disney movie, and Robin would have voiced it, and everything would have been good. That's probably true. This one, you know, they're trying to make him look like Will Smith because, you know, in those certain parts of the movie where the genie becomes human – he has to look like a human Will Smith, and I, you know, I assume that they would have done that with, you know, with Robin Williams as well. But, um, yeah, this just looks bad. Yeah, I get the feeling that Robin would be a cheerleader for this. I don't know if that should affect the way I view the project or not, but yeah. he just seems like the kind of guy who would who would throw his weight behind it. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Yeah, um, I, I, it's I, unavoidable I for me to see this, though. My kids will want to go see it. I, I can't get away from it, but sure. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not either. Uh, I, I don't think this is one that I'll watch in theaters. I think that I'll eventually succumb to the pressure of it and watch it on Blu-ray or digital or something like that. But I don't think, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is something that when Disney's streaming platform comes up, it'll be available there. And I can watch it on that in the comfort of my own home, you know, away from the shame of everyone else. <laughs> yeah, consuming secretly so no one knows. That's, uh, that's pretty ideal, I guess, for if he... If you can, maybe maybe you could have this and child play just play back to back. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, apparently, Sir Patrick Stewart campaigned for the role of Jafar. Uh, he had, he had turned it down in the 1992 version of the movie and has regretted it ever since. Hmm. Um. I I can't imagine he's ever campaigned for much of anything. Yeah. People come to him, not him to them, right? Right. Huh. That's surprising. Yeah. Even more surprising that they didn't take him up on it, but I guess they wanted to try to make this as uh, what ethically or not or ethnically um, the same as you know as the movie. Well, that makes that makes Will Smith an interesting choice, then, right? Yeah, it does. But you know, I guess you know when the genie's blue, then it doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. I guess so. You know, we've probably talked enough about Disney's Aladdin for not only the, this episode, but for the rest of our lifetimes. I don't think we've talked about it enough. Matter of fact, I'm really just getting started. Uh, matter of fact, here's my 15-point thesis on uh, – no, I'm just playing. Saw something blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Jeff H. Trailers. So, Derek, there is not a lot of good horror news out there. I, I know that I, I bellyached about this in the Facebook group, and you and Jody were kind enough to try to help me out here, but it just wasn't anything that really grabbed my attention. And um, you already mentioned that we went to watch The Prodigy with uh, Jared and Christy and Jody, and I, I figured we could just do a review of The Prodigy instead of having... Are you cool with that? Yeah, I am. But I'm also a little upset that you didn't think that the police thought it was a suicide. Then a horror movie director director handed over a secret recording from the Washington Post that didn't tickle your fancy. Yeah, I must have overlooked that one. So what are the details on this? So um, it's from the Washington Post. It was from uh, this morning or no, from yesterday. Excuse me. I think the only one you saw was, so Eli Roth is getting set to film a new horror movie, and you just turned off everything that I said after that. I literally saw that, clicked the uh, mad face emoji, and then went and taught, taught a class. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, I'll put this up. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read it all. I'll put this up by itself in the Facebook group, and we can all talk about it there. That sounds like a plan, man. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for scratching that up for us, though. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it, man. Sorry, sorry, I led with Eli Roth, and and that's the whole, I was afraid that was what was going to happen. So, <laughs> your petulant co-host, it's hard working with a diva. <laughs> Are you saying that about me? Or no, 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 I'm saying that about me. Just having to own the, the trials and tribulations of your working arrangement. I don't think that's true. So the prodigy. Yeah, let's talk. Hey, let's talk about the prodigy, but let's also talk about horror noir. Can we do that too? Yeah, let's talk about that first. So you've watched okay. that now, right? Yeah, I watched it this morning. Okay, what'd you think? I really enjoyed it, man. I thought it was a very interesting look at uh, black, you know, the history of, of black horror. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't really, I, I didn't really know about, uh, especially the early, you know, the beginnings of of stuff. Uh, some of the tropes. 
I guess I had always known about, but never knew that there were actual names for the tropes. Um, I love the fact that they paid so much homage to Candyman. Yeah, didn't that make you want to go back and watch Candyman again? Yeah, 100%. And also, I'm going to watch Tales from the Hood again after that thing that they did with David Allen Greer. Um, I haven't seen Tales from the Hood since I was a kid, probably. So I'm going to go back and watch that as well. I guess we should clarify, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, there's a new documentary on Shudder that is, I guess, an adaptation of a textbook called Horror Noir, which details the relationship of the African-American community uh, to horror as a genre. And, man, it's fascinating. Like, um, I, I was talking to Nikki on the Facebook group. I'm going to go find this textbook now and read it like a novel because there was just so much stuff in there I, I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually uh, right now searching for it on Amazon. Yeah, I think on Amazon right now it's like 45 bucks. But, oh, you know, sometimes you just got to pay a little, got to pay a little, cabbage for for a book you want to read and i think i'm gonna do it well there you go uh the the most interesting part of that documentary for me and of course there was just a ton of stuff that uh, i just did not i did not know for one reason or another Mm -hmm. but that uh blackula which is a movie i would have otherwise dismissed as just black exploitation dreck and never thought you know a second thing about right um that that a number of the young men who saw that uh, you know as, as uh, black kids without a lot of representation on the big screen, they found that very empowering and inspiring. And they, you know, in, in ways that sounded like kids who say, hey, I saw Captain America on the screen and I wanted to be Captain America when I grew up. These guys were saying, like, that's who I wanted to be when I grew up because they were, again, they were starved for positive representation on the big screen. And I, 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 not to just keep repeating myself, but I, I would have never anticipated that and uh, felt like I came away with a much better understanding of the subject. Now, of course, my my understanding was very limited, but man, that documentary just does kind of feel like an education. Yeah, for sure, man. I completely agree with that. I I went into it, you know, knowing the basics, right? Um, Jordan Peele, Get Out, um, everything that I've ever seen from the 90s, uh, you know, the black guy always dies first, uh, you know, my underrated or how I thought that Candyman was underrated. And they really took it to a whole nother level and made me realize like how important it is for uh, people of every race to be uh, represented on film. You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually actually had a I know this is kind of going off on a on another tangent, but I actually had a conversation with a guy a few weeks ago who talked to me about how he didn't think that Black Panther was good because he couldn't. uh he couldn't live vicariously through the Black Panther because he didn't look like him, essentially. Hmm. And and uh, yeah, <laughs> and I just said, okay, well, you and I have had uh, movie heroes from the beginning of time that look like us. So give, <laughs> how can we not give African Americans Black Panther? And he just couldn't, he couldn't grasp it. Like he couldn't understand the the whole situation, and and that broke my heart for obviously different reasons, but. It's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me that that's the case, number one. But it's awesome to see finally uh, people of color be represented in in a good way. You know, you and I, we talk about our, our love for John Cho and how we wish that John Cho had bigger stuff, uh, you know, was, was in more stuff. And, uh, you know, Crazy Rich Asians was a huge movie last year. And, uh, you know, of course, Get Out before that. And then there, there was also one. 
Oh man, uh, I'm going off the cuff here, for, so I forget. But there was one with a with an Indian star. It was kind of a romantic comedy. And uh, golly, what's that guy's name? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, man, I don't, and I'm sorry because I wish I did. But I, I, I'm kind of a one trick pony when it comes to genres. I watch horror the movies. Big sick. The big sick is what I was talking about. I'm sorry. Oh yes, Kamal Najiani. I did watch yeah. that one actually, and I loved it. Um, yeah. It's on Amazon. If you haven't seen that, it's one of the funniest movies I've seen in years. Yeah. And, you know, and that has uh, a Middle Eastern uh, male, you know, uh, in in the lead role of this, you know, in this romantic comedy. It's just good to see. I say all that to say this. It's just good to see people of color being in prominent roles in movies without them being the token, whatever they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I guess watching this documentary today made me realize just how how far – um, African American people have come in movies, but also, like you said, with Blackula, me personally, I would have been like, "Oh my God, that's terrible!" But that was all they had back then, and so they were like, "Yeah, this is, you know, there's a guy like me who's in a starring role in a movie. That's something I can be proud of." It, it blew my mind. Yeah, and I guess um, this is going to be the weirdest thing one of our listeners maybe would hear me say, but I wish they hadn't spent so much time on Get Out. And I say that because I know a ton about Get Out. I know how to appreciate Get Out. I've listened to a ton of different stuff from Jordan Peele talking about the process and, you know, the the perspective he brought to it and, and trying to speak on behalf of his community and things like that. There was so much I didn't know that I wish they would have spent more time kind of saying, in effect, go back and check this out. Here's why it's significant. Because I kind of need a bibliography to to guide me into that world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, I, I do, but I think that you're kind of an, uh, an anomaly. I think you're the exception rather than the mean, like, because I, you know, you and I had this horror movie podcast and we search out this horror movie stuff on a regular basis. I think for anyone, um, <laughs> any normal folk, they probably, you know, they probably didn't know a lot of the stuff that happened and get out. Or they probably didn't go as, as far deep into it as you and I probably have. I mean, every time that I tell somebody, hey, can you believe that, like, the hero of the story picked his own cotton to save his life? People's jaws drop because they just never thought about it that way. And that was one of the things that they brought up in the documentary. So I think that it's probably the right way to go about it just because for for black horror, Get Out is the pinnacle. You know, I mean, you and I have even talked about it. I, for me, it's probably one of my top five favorite movies ever. And, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that, in my opinion, nothing has reached it since then. And so, you know, again, looking at it through their eyes, if if that's your like, I, I mean, for lack of a better word, Citizen Kane, wouldn't that be the thing that you'd want to like, ex, you know, document and and talk about the most in this documentary? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I guess I had assumed that it being released through a service like Shudder that, you know, most passionate horror fans, unless they have some kind of irrational bias, are are going to be fans of Get Out and will have done some of the same, I don't know, same reading and listening that I have done. But that's entirely possible. I guess maybe I just want a world where all entertainment is catered to my very specific preferences, Derek. I don't think that's too much to ask. Sure. And I understand that. That makes sense. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we have to cater to other people in the world, Jeff. Man, no, that's that's unfortunate. I, I need to find a better timeline. 
thought you were about to say I need a better co-host. I was gonna be like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> one that's gonna one that's gonna placate to your needs. Completely get that. But it was it was fun to see you know so many uh, like the the guy that directed Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, and Bones. I didn't realize that he directed both of those. Yeah, and I haven't uh, thought about Bones in years. I remember yeah, watching Bones, and I thought, man, that that was on some part of my memory that has just you know. I think the term is the memory hole. I think it just fell off into the memory hole. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's, like I said earlier, I need a bibliography. I need somebody to say, just go back and check these out. And and Horror Noir did that by and large. I just, I want even more. And again, that's why I guess I'm going to be buying a $45 textbook. Yeah. Uh, and actually you can get it for $32 on Kindle. I don't know if you have a Kindle. But oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Their Kindle edition is a little bit cheaper. So. I'm old school, man. I still, any book that I'm not going to read, you know, more than once, I'm happy to get <laughs> digitally. But if it's something I want to pull off the shelf and read a couple times, I always, I'm just a troglodyte. I go back to the hardbound. No, you're fine. I'm, I'm actually the same way. As a matter of fact, I, I don't think I told you this, and this is again off the subject, but I was at McKay's. Uh, while I was in Tennessee, and good God, I wish I was still in Tennessee, but um, I picked up The Disaster Artist, the the book that Greg Sestero wrote for 75 cents. Oh, yeah, man. McKay's is awesome. Yeah. So if you want, I'll send that to you through the mail when I'm done with it. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. You know that uh, our boys there have a new movie coming out, right? Yeah. It's like some kind of shark movie, right? I think it's called Big Shark. So yeah. here we go. Oh, hi, shark. That's all I want out of that movie. <laughs> I I think there's a good chance you'll get something like that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, speaking of our boys and speaking of uh, getting together and oh, hi, shark. Uh, I'm, I'm tying it all together. You'll see. We saw the prodigy on Friday. <laughs> was Tommy Wazoo there? Because that would have made it much more awesome. No, but uh, while this movie was boring and uh, pedantic, at one point I yelled out, You're tearing me apart, Sarah! That's true. And that's why I thought I could tie it all through. That's true, you did. So you called it boring and pedantic. I think it probably sets everybody up listening for our review. Um, did you like anything about the movie? I thought the little kid did a great job. Uh, the, the little kid played Georgie in It, and uh, I thought that he did a great job. You know, he, he definitely carried his weight in the movie and really had some tough stuff to go through as a child actor. And I felt like that he nailed pretty much all of it. Yeah, he he was not uh, a weak link there, which I guess we've talked about a little bit with Mike Flanagan, that, that there are some really great uh, children working in horror right now, child actors. Yeah. Um, and I guess I had attributed that basically to Flanagan's skill and also Sandberg, who has done some good stuff with Annabelle Creation. But maybe we're just in a sweet spot where we've got more skilled kid actors. That, sure. The, the thing I'm hoping is that they don't, you know, in 15 years, we're not reading horror stories about what's become of their personal lives, you know. Right. But all that to say, yeah, Georgie, whatever that kid's name is, um, you know, this wasn't the, the best acted thing I've ever seen. And he certainly was. He was heads and tails above what we were getting from older actors. Yeah, uh, that guy's name is Jackson Robert Scott. Okay, well, well done, Jackson Robert Scott. Yeah, uh, that kid has had a, you know, so far has had a really cool little um, filmography. You know, he was in uh, he was in Criminal Minds. He did uh, he did an episode or two on Fear the Walking Dead. Then he played Georgie. Then he did a movie called Skin. Uh, which was a short that I haven't even heard of until now. And now he played, you know, Miles and the Prodigy. So 
uh, kudos to that kid. I look forward to seeing whatever he comes out with next. Yeah, the only other strong acting there was um, I, I can't ever pronounce this guy's name right. Calm Fiore. Yeah, um, that's a uh, guy's brother. Well, he uh, he played the counselor or whatever. <laughs> Just no sold him a joke there. Yeah, he did. Okay. Sorry about no selling the joke. It's because I'm terrified that I've offended somebody with my pronunciation. Oh, I was um, just trying to say that he was the brother of Guy Fieri. I'm sure that you oh, nailed the it. chef. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got yeah. you. <laughs> it wasn't a good joke, but then you no sold it, and it made it a horrible joke. So I was going for the Norm Macdonald awkward thing. Nailed it. Um, Taylor Schilling. Yeah, whatever. Um, Peter Mooney, I think, is the guy who played Dad. Yeah, that's fine. Um, right. In some ways, they could have been cardboard cutouts. They they just didn't have much they they needed to do. Um, what what do you think about the story? Uh, man, it, it felt like you know. I leaned over to Jody at one point and I said, "I said, didn't we just see the preview for the new Child's Play? Like that's how I felt. Like I felt like this was Child's Play two point oh. So he's and, just a, he's a doll come to life to to terrorize. Well, I mean, the killer, you know, in the <laughs> Wahlberg. Um, in the original Child's Play, the killer puts himself possess. You know, he he does some kind of incantation and puts his soul in the body of this doll, and essentially that's what happens here. You know, yeah. this guy gets this guy gets shot at the same time that this child is born, and his because he you know the Casper rule right, any ghost that has unfinished business doesn't cross over. Because he has unfinished business, he you know he possesses the soul of this or you know the body of this child. It just, I mean, it just felt very predictable, very, um, yeah, I guess predictable is probably the best word to, to say without the other adjectives I used before. Um, I mean, I, I literally looked at you and called every beat and anything that I didn't, like anything that I told you, you looked at me and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I guess I hadn't put the connection to um, child play together right but you're absolutely right on that and that's a great call so you know it's it's lifted that from child's play um it's lifting a lot from the bad seed um the good son uh even think that there's shades of denzel's uh fallen okay in this one and um that i guess that's the most frustrating thing for me i don't think anybody who's listened to this podcast for long will be surprised you saw it all coming but I feel like I saw everything coming. And my wife, who doesn't watch horror, is, you know, regularly leaning over going, hey, this is what's coming, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah honey, that's exactly what's about to happen. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> at one point, I thought you were going to separate Christy and I because we just kept making so many jokes. Yeah, there was a poor man's version of Mystery Science Theater happening <laughs> right there in AMC Theater of Cookville, Tennessee. But it was the most it was the most entertaining part of that movie. You have to admit that. Yeah, it was either separate y'all or get you mics and just start recording. <laughs> I would have went for that one. I think that would have been the better version of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, any anything positive to say about this movie? Uh, besides the kid, no. I would have something positive to say, except that this stinking movie gave away the most interesting and original part of the movie in the stinking trailer. Yeah. Uh, this is Exhibit A for a movie that would have been better if you just didn't know what was coming. And thankfully, Jared had forgotten about seeing the trailer 
and Christy had not seen the trailer. And so I was sitting between them and I kind of leaned back as far as I could and tried to put them in my peripheral vision for when the jump scare happened. And I guess that was the most entertaining part of my night. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, um, yeah, I wish that that jump scare hadn't been in the first trailer. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but I was reading up on IMDb where they said that they had to edit that part of the movie because the initial reaction to it caused too much terror. Well, man, that movie was so derivative and rebaked that I'm not sure editing terror out was exactly the the call there that I would want to see made. Yeah. Uh, So just to quote it, the now infamous scene at the end of the trailer and in the first trailer, along with other scenes, had to be re-edited for test audiences due to their intense scare factor. I don't know what movie those test audiences saw, but I would much rather see that than what we saw. 100%. In fact, I almost feel like... I don't know. That sounds like revisionist history after the fact, being like, oh, there was a scarier version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we didn't want to scare y'all so bad, so we released a mediocre cut. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. That's a that's a Zack Snyder move right there. <laughs> uh, on a scale of one to ten, Jeff, what would you what would you rank it? Yeah, that's a two. Okay. Actually, wow, I'm the I'm the horror uncle in this one. I gave it a three. Okay. Based on uh just that little kid. Yeah. And and that I thought that I might be grading too harshly. But if you're going to give it a two, then I'm going to go back and say the same thing. Two. I think this is the kind of thing that uh, the kind of film that when it shows up on Netflix, you may put it on to have background noise or kill time. Sure. And so that's why I didn't you know, leave it with a one or something. Uh, it doesn't quite rise to perfectly acceptable horror, but it's like, no. you know, I'm desperate for horror. Um, and it, there are worse versions of scary movies than this one. So. How's that for damning with faint praise? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's the best backhanded compliment. Yeah. So, uh, anything else to say about the prodigy? Uh, no. I hope I hope I never have to see it again. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll hear this and release the mythical good cut. Yeah. Hey, um, whoever directed this movie, Nicholas McCarthy, if you're out there and you're listening to the show, and why wouldn't you be? We're the number one horror related podcast on the planet then you should release that version of it. Or just give it to Jeff and I, and we'll watch it and give you a better grade if it's better. Yeah, I'll double-dog dare you because I don't believe it exists. Yeah, me too. All right, man. We'll wrap up The Prodigy there, and that means it's time, I suppose, to pull the curtain on A Tale of Two Sisters. You ready to do this? Yeah, man. Let's uh, let's do it up. Let's get into the, the sauce of the scary airplane and fly all the way to North Korea. In 2003, right? So it's a time yeah. machine, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you know for certain whether or hang not you... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Wahlberg! Hi, Mark. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. What? No! Spoiler alert. Have you ever seen, or do you know if you've ever seen a Korean horror movie before? Um, No. I don't believe that I ever have seen a Korean horror movie before. Have you ever seen, and I'm going to ask because you may not know if this is, you may not know this is Korean. Have you ever seen I Saw the Devil? No, I have not. Okay. That's kind of the, I don't know, the gold standard. Um, Netflix had The Wailing for a while, and I thought it was overrated. Um, oh, 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 Train to Busan is is a South Korean horror movie. Did you see oh. that? Zombies well, in on that the case, Yeah, in that case I have. Yeah, okay. So... You, you've got Train to Busan, 
I Saw the Devil. Those are usually considered the top two Korean horror movies. And then A Tale of Two Sisters is either number three or number four, depending on what you do with depending on what you do with the wailing. Okay. So I, I get it. Um, also, A Tale of Two Sisters is the product of the same mind who created I Saw the Devil. So I guess he's sort of um, oh, what's that? That uh, gentleman's name, Kim Ju Won or Kim Ji Won. Uh, I'm sure I butchered that. It could also be Kim Ji Woon. Um, he's kind of the South Korean horror master. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're, they're good films. He's he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I just I have this uh, song in my head that uh, for I saw the devil. It's to the tune of I shot the sheriff. Mm. I'm going to need you to write lyrics to that and bring it on to the show for next episode. Sure. We'll just replace Ryan Brewer's um, theme music with that. Um, I saw the devil. (laughs) I should have left space for that. What was I thinking? But I did not see that crazy lady. See, I've got it. We're almost home. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hard for you to see past subtitles to evaluate actors? Man, um, I'll tell you what. It's hard for me to watch a movie with subtitles. That's actually something that I was bemoaning to a couple friends of mine last night as I was trying to watch this movie. Um, I said – I told them both. I said, man, it's it's just difficult for me to pay attention to to, to anything um, where I have to read that much. And and the biggest thing was for for this movie – my biggest problem with it was there was a lot of time where there wasn't anything going on. And I just, I instinctively reached for my phone and started messing around with it. And then I would be like, Oh crap, I don't know what's going on. And I'd have to back it up because, you know, anytime that you do that, um, you know, with a, with an English speaking film, you can still listen and you can still kind of figure out where you're at, but you can't in movies like this. And uh, so legitimately, it probably took me three hours <laughs> to watch this movie last night because I don't know if my ADD was just bad or, or what the situation was. But uh, this this is it takes a long time for, in my opinion, it takes a long time for this movie to get going. Now, I guess I guess there is a difference in the way we consume this, because I, I guess I like the pacing of the movie. Um, in some ways, this is just a haunted house movie. Right. And I thought the pacing of the movie helped me feel like I was living in a house that felt more empty than it should. Okay. And that, you know, that, that sense you have when, um, I don't know, you've been snowed in and time doesn't really feel like it's passing and you're just kind of there in the eternal now um, waiting for something to happen. Yeah. I kind of felt like I was doing that in this movie as these characters are, are waiting for the next shoe to drop. Okay. Uh, I, I also realized too, just listening to you talk, that I, I guess I have adapted okay to to subtitles because mm-hmm. it it didn't throw me in this one. I, well, I guess I should just tell you this: there are times when if I'm having a hard time with uh, English dialogue and making sure I know exactly what someone's saying, I'll turn on English subtitles at this point. Okay, and just kind of double check what I thought I heard. So maybe I'm maybe I'm entering that phase where I'd rather read a movie than listen to it. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, I think also, though, I knew right out of the gate, oh, that sister's dead. Yeah. I'm a, I'm guessing that uh, you lead on, you know, coming to that conclusion out of everybody out there. Um, 
What else about this movie? Uh, did what did you think well, about man, the the music? Um, I honestly, Jeff, I don't have an opinion on the music. Um, nothing about it stood out to me, so I can't really, I can't really comment one way or the other. I mean, I'm trying to think back into my memory banks, and and nothing about it stood out to me. So cl- clearly, you have something about it that you want to talk about. So. What, what twofold? One, it made me nostalgic because this movie is clearly of a particular time, and yeah. I didn't realize how much South Korean movies from two thousand three were like what was happening in America in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. But I also really enjoyed the music. I thought it was atmospheric and really enhanced what was happening on the screen. And so I'm not usually a guy unless it's like John Williams um, or I don't know. Who's the uh, the Disney composer who's done every good song they made? Um, Danny Elfman. Well, Danny Elfman's up there. There's an Alan guy, too. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. Um, Alan Thicke. <laughs> you got me there. I knew that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cap. I'm old enough to know that one. Yeah. I get that one. <laughs> um. Unless it's one of those guys. Alan Minken. Alan Minken. There it is. There it is. Unless it's one of them, I don't usually notice. But I remember as I was watching this one, and maybe it's because I'm I'm not able to listen to the dialogue of having to read it, but for whatever reason, I thought the music was really effective in this one. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, I wish wish that I would have, I guess, paid more attention to it now, but... um, yeah, for for me, man, this this movie was was kind of a slog to get through. Um, I will say this though. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's fine. Um, I will say that I really enjoyed the performances of uh, the main sister. Um, what was her name? Uh, Sumi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Su Young Lim, I believe is is her name, and then uh, Jung Ya Yum, who played the stepmom. I thought both those ladies did a phenomenal job. In the movie, um, although I did again while I was texting some of my friends last night, I did say apparently in Korea the main way to emote is to scream your head off. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of screaming in this movie, man. To the point where I was like, okay, calm. Like now we're overacting. Calm down. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I wonder how the you know the the culture that this was created primarily for would receive that. Because I had a similar, I had a similar sense. Although it is interesting, like when they're at the dinner party and the stepmom is just hyper neurotic and telling stories that nobody is interested in. Uh, that came through crystal clear. Like there was no cultural barrier for right. She's annoying everybody to death. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I will say, you know, I, I earlier kind of asked about subtitles blocking my ability to to gauge acting. There's a scene where stepmom is locking younger sister in a closet. Mm -hmm. And instead of going to Narnia, she's just trapped in there, terrorized. Right. Um, But wouldn't it have been cool if she would have met Kevin Wendell Crumb in that wardrobe? (laughs) Yes, this would be be a completely different movie at that point. Yeah. We need to visit that timeline. Like, we can do the... uh, We we can write that book, Derek. We can do the Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies uh, a tale of two sisters and thirty-seven personalities. Yeah, I love it. But uh, when when stepmom was locking younger sister in the in the wardrobe, and at the very end, you kind of think she's about to let the girl out, and she just goes silent and stares at her, and then locks her in. I really thought she was quite frightening there. Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know that's the crazy part about this movie is is they do such a great job making that 
mother-in-law, such a hated villain in the movie. And then when you realize, no, the, this poor girl is crazy and this mother-in-law has actually been a loving person the entire time, um, I thought that was a really great flip. I thought that was a really great transition. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it just speaks to a good storyteller. Again, for all the cultural barriers that are there, uh, this movie, I think, works. I know you said it was a slog, but for me, I felt like I watched a, a bit of a time capsule but a really good movie nonetheless that I was I was glad to have you know to have seen at this point and I, I wish I had seen it earlier. Hmm. Yeah, I mean I'm not going to say that it wasn't a bad movie. It, I just I think that maybe the first half hour of the movie it was it was me adjusting to the subtitles, it was me adjusting to the culture, it was me adjusting to everything that was going on. Um, but also I, I do feel feel like that it was kind of a slow build into the movie. But once it gets going, right around the time of the that dinner party. I thought from then on it was a really good movie. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point. That that's where the where it really starts to accelerate. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this, and this is kind of catching you cold. When was the last time you saw a movie that you thought was a great psychological horror movie? Get Out. Okay. So since Get Out, have you seen? Well, I mean, I guess Get Out this doesn't qualify for. So have you seen a psychological horror movie that was built on supernatural elements? Right, because Get Out is like crazy sure. sci-fi and stuff, but it's not ghosts and goblins. Neither um, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Let's see. Nothing. Nothing's hitting off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm right there with you, and I think this movie is psychological horror, and it's the only one I can think of that is built on actually scary supernatural stuff. Or would you call? Well, I mean, would you call Split or Glass that? See, I wouldn't because I think they're trying to make the claim that superpowers are just part of the natural world. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. That they're not superpowers, they're just unexplored human powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I guess I'm just going to I'm gonna say they're broadening the definition of what the natural world is, but it's not, you know, again, it's not ghosts and goblins. Okay. So, yeah, psychological horror built on... The Supernatural. This is my, my go-to, and it's a good mix. I'm, I'm happy to have seen it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, man, I, like I said, at the beginning of it, it was difficult, and it took me a little time to, to adjust to it. But I really – I wound up really enjoying the movie, and I think in the future when we are uh, tasked to review some uh, Japanese horror or Korean horror or, you know, anything that's, that's not English, I'll – I'll be interested to see it more than I was going into this movie. Yeah, maybe maybe one of these days we get around to I saw the devil, and you can you can debut I your saw song, the devil. and we'll drop in that review. I mean, I think that's a that's a pretty perfect combination. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, um, now um, I will say I will say this. I don't know uh, where you were going with your transition, but I will say that I watched this movie and then found out that there was an American adaptation of this movie called The Uninvited. Well, my brother, that's exactly where I was going. Tell us more. Boom! So The Uninvited stars Elizabeth Banks and uh, who is the who's the lady that's in that? Oh, it's a lady. Um, golly, who is that girl? Emily Browning. The one who plays the daughter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Em- Emily Browning plays Anna and uh, she's been in... Several different things, none of which. Oh, oh she was in Legend uh, with Tom Hardy. I saw that. 
And yeah, so she's been in, in several different things. But anyway, Emily Browning plays Anna and they kind of flip flop stuff in this one. Um, Anna is the younger sister and she has come out of the loony bin and uh, she's come to find out that Elizabeth Banks character, Rachel, uh, who was her mother's nurse, is now dating their father, engaged to be married. And uh, her sister, her older sister, they're there and they're, you know, they're trying to cause a bunch of hygiene stuff. And I, I you know, you and I talked about it off off the air earlier today. It felt like the producers of that movie saw A Tale of Two Sisters, knew that they wanted to Americanize it. And then they also had seen Secret Window with Johnny Depp and they just matched the two up. Yeah, so um, The Uninvited, I think, is 2009, right? Yes, yes it is. While I was watching A Tale of Two Sisters, I was wondering whether or not there'd been an American remake because most of the J-horror that I have watched has gotten an, an, an English remake within five years. Right. And when you texted me and said, oh, The Uninvited, a light bulb went off, much like Bones... That I mentioned earlier, I had seen The Uninvited when it first came out. I had seen it in the theater, but I had almost entirely forgotten about the movie, not because I thought it was bad, just because it had been so long. Yeah. And uh, we were, we were kind of catching back up over that through text message. And you're right. I, well, let me ask you this. Let me, let me go at it this way. What do you think about The Uninvited? I know we're not reviewing The Uninvited, but scale of one to ten, what would you put on it? Uh, five, probably. Okay. Maybe, maybe five and a half. And not to spool the end of this episode, but would you go higher or lower for A Tale of Two Sisters? Higher. Okay, so I'm, I'm with you on both of that. But as, as a matter of fact, I'm sorry to interrupt, but as a matter of fact, watching The Uninvited gave me a better appreciation for A Tale of Two Sisters. Okay, okay. Well, that dovetails with actually where I was uh, going to go. The Uninvited may be the, you know, other than The Ring, it may be the best English remix of a J-horror movie. You know, depending on what you want to do with The Grudge. I don't know yeah. if you think The Grudge was good or bad. It seems to be a polarizing movie. I, I mean, I thought that um, I thought that The Grudge was probably a middle-of-the-road movie. I think I liked it more because I had an intense crush on Sarah Michelle Gellar. Well, yeah, that would help. That would help. But, um, yeah, I, I think that probably The Uninvited is a, a little bit better than The Grudge. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm there too, and I think that you know normally I like just a straightforward adaptation, you know, kind of stick with what works. But the changes to the uninvited helps it stand on its own feet a little bit, and mm-hmm. maybe helps it work for an English audience in a way that a more straightforward adaptation couldn't. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that I think that everything that they changed. Uh, from a tale of two sisters to the uninvited was uh, so American. <laughs> yeah. Like to start that movie out with uh, a girl making out with a guy on the beach. I was like, yep, I'm definitely watching an American horror movie. That is right in the wheelhouse of the, the story that this movie is adapted. The uh, excuse me, both movies are ultimately adapted from. Did you go look at the Wikipedia page for a tale of two sisters or the uninvited? Um, yeah, I, wa- I went to the Tale of Two Sisters Wikipedia page, uh, but I've mostly been on both of their IMDb pages. Okay, well, I-, I recommend this to you and to our listeners. I don't want to spoil it, but if you go to A Tale of Two Sisters, uh, you will be linked to Uninvited. But you'll also see in the first paragraph 
uh, reference to a folktale that dates to this Korean dynasty that ran mm-hmm. from the 1390s to the 1890s. So, you know, talk about uh, a long-standing empire, 500 years. Um, anyway, it references this folktale. And click that link, man, because the folktale is an awesome story. And I kind of wish... Um, I wish there had been a movie just straightforward made out of the the folktale. Yeah. Uh, In fact, the ending is quite awesome. Uh, So I'm not going to read it out on the on the podcast here, but I'm I'm telling you, man, I I think that would be worth the three minutes it takes to click over to it, and I think our listeners won't be disappointed either. Well, cool, man. Yeah, should we put that up? Uh, Should we put that link up on the on (laughs) on the Facebook page? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea, man. The Kingdom of the Great Joseon, is that it? Yeah, so I think the pronunciation, get ready for a southern tongue. I think the pronunciation is something like Chosun. Yeah, it is, now that I'm looking at it. Um, But yeah, if you you see the story, it's... um, and I, I'm going to go for it, so just forgive me if any of our uh, audience members are Korean, but it's Jongwa Hongryeon Jion, and it just that literally translates to the story of Jongwa and Hongryeon. Um, that's the name of the folktale, and I thought it was super cool. I never heard it before, so they're, they're, cool. There's your daily uh, Korean folktale reference <laughs> and recommendation. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, put that up. All right, I'll do it. Uh, anything else you got to say about either the uninvited or, uh, a tell of two sisters? Um, well, I think that the uninvited was even more telegraphed than the tell of two sisters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that, you know, if I think that we say this a lot, but I think that it's true. If you're, if you're a horror connoisseur, like you and I are, you probably are able to see what's coming out of that movie before it happens um, to <laughs> to someone who watches horror, you know, to get those snuggles from their girlfriend or whatnot. I think that it would probably be the perfect movie for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you know, but if, if you're looking for the better of the two, then I, I would implore you to track down A Tale of Two Sisters. Um, and also, I think that that might be where Mike Flanagan got, Flanagan got his idea for the bent neck lady. I mean, I had the same thing. Like bent neck lady showing up far sooner than I ever expected her to. Yeah. Uh, good call. So okay, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I really think a tale of uh, two sisters lives up to the hype. Like I get why Jordan Peele picked it to to tell his cast to to watch it. Okay, well, I mean that's what we're that's what we're going through this. So. Any thoughts, any machinations on what this means to us? Well, can can we do our um, our stock and trade first and then save that for the last? Oh, my gosh. You are a diva. For I this am a episode. diva. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. So, scale of one to ten, what would you give a tell of two sisters? I think seven and a half, honestly. Oh, well said. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Co-sign that seven and a half. Yeah. Did we see something scary? Uh, for me, no. Uh, I I assume that you probably will say yes, and I can probably figure out uh, where you're going to go with it. Um, it was a good movie, but I, I didn't feel like that it was that scary. Even even the quote unquote scary moments for me wasn't anything that got me going. So okay, well I so come on in, come on in, horror uncle. Yeah, here here as requested. Um, I will say not the scariest movie ever. But I did think I saw a couple things scary. I mentioned the stepmom locking the girl in. I thought that was a pretty scary moment. 
There's one other that we haven't talked about. Do you want to take a guess as to what it was? Uh, well, before I do that, I am going to say this. I did think that the the ending of this movie was incredibly heartbreaking because, you know, um, early on, the uh, hallucination or the evil manifestation or whatever of the stepmother warns the girl, you know, I told you you would regret this moment. And then at the very end of the movie, we find out in you know during a flashback that the little sister found the mother hanging in the cupboard or in the wardrobe, uh, tries to tries to get her down. You know, uh, at this point, I'm sure she's dead, but she, you know, still in that in that situation, instincts are kicking in, and you're trying to release your mother from this from this uh, choking situation. The wardrobe falls on top of the sister. Uh, both the nurse, the stepmother, and the uh, – what's her name again? Sue, Sue Me, I, I believe. I just refer to them as older sister and younger sister because okay. people have heard my, my attempt at pronunciation at this point. That's perfect. So younger sister's trapped, older sister and the stepmother run upstairs – uh, or no, stepmother runs upstairs, and then the older sister runs up. They have a very tense, uh, hate-filled conversation where the older sister pretty much calls out the the nurse for, you know, whatever romantic implications she may have with the father. And the mother, the, the nurse tells her right there, you may want to think about what you're saying because this is going to come back to haunt you. And basically all this is happening while the little sister dies. Uh, to me, that was incredibly heartbreaking because, you know, for me, this wasn't so much a, a, like a supernatural thriller as it really was just a tale of – of mental, you know, a mental breakdown and a crumbling family. Yeah. And, you know, and, and a family that puts the fun in dysfunctional. Right. So uh, I imagine that when the girl comes back to kill the set mom, that's the part that you thought was the scariest. That is actually the, the most I think is the most significant part. And it's what I want to talk to you about in the connection to us. Okay. Um, my my other scary part is much more simple. But when um, when they're having the crazy dinner and the the aunt falls on the ground and has a seizure, uh-huh. as they're driving off, she tells her husband, "I saw a girl under the sink." Yeah, and that shot of the girl under the sink, I thought was legitimately kind of creepy. Okay, and it's just there long enough for it to you know to to present itself to your imagination, but not really fill out all the details about what it is. And I thought that worked perfectly. I thought. Yeah, the ghost under the under the sink or whatever was was scary, scarily undefined, and I thought it I thought it was a good touch. Okay, that's fair. Well, to to go to your question, and thank you for letting me save it for the last. Uh, the The element you're picking up on is what I think sets this movie apart from The Uninvited. What makes it a really masterful horror movie, and what I'm suspecting uh, will touch on, uh, you know, what Peel's using it for in us. I think that movie ends with you looking at what we would otherwise see as the victim of this movie, the the older sister. Mm-hmm. And you're left realizing she's got a hand in her sister's death and there's nothing she can do to get away from it. Right. It might have been inadvertent, but she was indulging her selfishness. It, it's almost like Peter Parker reflecting on Uncle Ben's death, right? Sure. And I, I think what I'm going to propose that Peel does with this is... Uh, you know the the tagline for us, I think, is we're we're our own worst enemies, mm-hmm. and I think in some way 
those alternates or those evil copycats or doppelgangers of the family are somehow going to be rooted in uh, a choice that they made that maybe they didn't understand the full implications of, um, but leaves them with a, a real guilt, a meaningful guilt that there's really no mechanism to get rid of. Okay. And I don't know what that'll look like in Peel's storytelling, but that's that's what I'm suspicious of. Yeah. Um, your own thoughts on how this may relate to us? Uh, I agree with that. I, I feel like that uh, past mistakes are going to come back to bite them. And I feel like that maybe even these evil versions of themselves are these past mistakes uh, coming back to li- you know literally haunt them. Yes, I, I think that, I, and maybe it's because it's so strong in my mind because we follow you know this. No pun intended. This movie follows it follows in a review schedule, mm-hmm. but it follows has some of those same elements, right? These past decisions you make, maybe you didn't understand them at the time, but they have a long tail that you can't really get away from. Sure, uh, I think those those two movies being in this list seem to suggest just what you said that these are past versions, or you know, they have some connection to the characters previous decisions that's going to come back to bite them, maybe in a very literal fashion. Yeah, I believe that's true. All right, man, we'll see. Uh, uh, we'll have quite a record of our predictions for Jordan Peele's Us by the time this thing's done. Yeah, man. I'm. Uh, you know, the more that we watch these movies, the more excited I am about Us. Yeah. yeah. It really is helping me ramp up, too. I mean, not that I thought that was possible, but... Uh, I just expect that that Peel is going to give us something that belongs among these movies. Mm-hmm. And that list of movies he gave us, uh, I don't think I've been disappointed by any. I know you don't like It Follows, but I think a lot of people would say these are some of the best horror movies of all time. And uh, I, I'm just expecting him to place us among them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, for his sophomore adventure into horror, and, you know, of course, he says this is his first real scary movie so i'm i i can't wait man and i think it's you know um you and i are both comic book movie fans and comic book fans in general and so i think you know endgame is probably the the most anticipated movie that i have for this year and i think us would be number two yeah yeah i'm with you man so i guess we can put a bow on this one unless you got something else to, to add in uh, no, man, I think that's pretty much going to do it. Um, you can you can watch uh, A Tale of Two Sisters on Shudder uh, right now. And, of course, Shudder, I believe, is, what, $3.99 a month? Uh, yeah. And you get, like, your first your first week free, I believe. Yep. Um, so you can go to Shudder.com for that. Uh, we don't have any kind of partnership with them. That's just us being good stewards and telling you where you can go see this. Uh, you can rent The Uninvited on Amazon Prime for – uh, three ninety nine, and that's the HD version of the movie. And uh, you know, if, if you're ever if you're ever bored and looking to, you know, catch a movie, I think that'd be the perfect one to watch. You know, if it's a rainy day and stuff, and you're looking to get that horror fix, uh, go to Amazon Prime and get the Uninvited. You could do a whole lot worse. Absolutely, yeah. You could watch it follows again. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Shutter.com for that and uh, Amazon Prime for The Uninvited. Jeff, what are we watching next week? I think we're going kind of back in time a little bit. We're going to watch The Birds. Holy smokes. Okay. Yeah, I've been looking forward to, to watching The Birds. I've only seen The Birds once. Have you ever seen The Birds before? I assume you have. I've seen it with my mom, who I caught the love of horror movies from. 
she I probably watched every Alfred Hitchcock movie I've ever seen with my mom the first time. And uh, I, I haven't been back to the birds, I think, as an adult. So I'm really excited, too. Yeah, we watched that thing in high school. Really? Uh, yeah, for uh, either my drama class or an English class. I forget which one. But we watched The Birds, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever, that a high school uh, you know, teacher would let us watch that movie. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back into it. Yeah. All right. Well, we will look forward to doing that next week then. Absolutely. So, all right, guys, well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Sauce of the Scary. Remember, follow us on Twitter, Scary Podcast, Facebook, We Sauce of the Scary for the group. Reddit forward slash r forward slash sauce of the scary and sauce of the scary on Instagram. He's at right Jeff. I'm at Derek Zoo. And folks, we are out of time for next week. Uh, we just want to remind you to uh, to watch the birds if you have the chance. Where's that at, Jeff? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't even begun yeah. to look. We, okay. That's another thing we can post in the Facebook group. Yeah, so we'll, we'll post that up as well so you guys have it and uh, you can watch along with us as well. Remember, patreon.com. Uh, forward slash scary podcast get with us we're going to be reviewing a movie on there here the next couple weeks for the bonus episode you will not have access to that episode unless you join the patreon for as little as three dollars a month so not asking for much just asking for you guys to to help us out and we greatly appreciate it all right for jeff wright this is Derek Sue reminding you stay away from clowns and sewers white people teacups blind men with turkey basters we will see you guys back here next week for the birds until then Bye-bye, man. I don't know if Jeff has turned off the recording or not of this podcast but if he hasn't um i just want to say this movie was terrible i'm just trying to be nice and go along with it because i feel like that all the time i just dog on horror movies but this movie (laughs) i'm just playing i thought this movie was great (laughs) i I doubt this will make aaron jeff's a pretty good editor and he usually can hear you know usually tune it in but if not this will be a fun little easter egg for you guys also, want to let you guys know, here in a few weeks, I'll be uh, having my own podcast called Do the Damn Thing. And the first episode is with Brian Campbell. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Brian Campbell from CBS Sports, uh, combat sports writer. And he's uh, he's great. So, Do the Damn Thing should be coming out in the middle, uh, I'd say the first of March. I got to figure out how to work podcasts first. I just let Jeff do all this stuff. I'm just a talent, really. You know, I have this golden voice and... You know, fun jokes. So, anyway, I don't know a secret.